I'm Sadia Tariq and you're listening to Dhani the podcast. I'm most happy to be in conversation today with um, a childhood friend of mine and now a mental health counselor Rabia Mumtaz. Rabia has been in the profession for about 5 years and here on this chat we talk about the stigmas associated with counselors seeking help and therapists the importance of mental health and the awareness of mental health and so much more Hi Rabia welcome Hi, to Sadia. Bani Thank you very much I'm happy to be here Um I'm happy that you're here I want to just jump in straight away and ask mm-hmm. you that why is it that in Pakistan mental health or a disequilibrium or a disease mm-hmm. um is is like a stigma it's it's something that's kind of brushed under the carpet it's it's talked about behind closed doors it's something that you know there's always a a finger on the lips that you're not supposed to talk about it let alone with mm-hmm. ourselves alone and then mm-hmm. also to to make it public or to go and seek help hmm i think um there is a stigma for sure also um i don't think it's just restricted to pakistan i think um, it may be more so here but i do think that i mean people are resistant to change or opening up or exploration generally um although it i i do find a split uh, at one in one um space i see people very resistant i see a lot of stoicism i'll see a lot of uh, um you know cultural uh, issues coming in that oh we have family so who needs a therapist who needs an outsider when you have therapy and then i do see a lot of people turning to therapy um I mean I have clients aged 13 between 13 and 70 at the moment so it's everyone mm. uh, and it is it is growing I think with awareness um, and understanding it is growing um the general reason why it's the kind of shunned is also the cultural aspect because we have joint family systems here a lot of people say that or abroad people have you know an isolated life they don't have family surrounding them so they therefore they need an external person to talk to to vent but what they don't realize is that when people turn to family or even their friends for advice the advice is given from a frame of reference i mean if you were to talk to, to your best friend and ask her about advice on something she would give it with the best of intent but from her frame of reference and she might even tell you what to do a therapist's job is very different it um, so they don't tell you what to do and they encourage um, individuation and to help you arrive at your own decisions they steer you here and there with perspective and exploration uh, creates that perspective so there's no frame of reference we're very conscious of that that mm. uh, we don't mm. give our frame of reference to a client mm. so there that is one major difference um, that people are not aware of really um, and so they judge um, the practice correct correct mm. um i've been to uh, a number of counselors uh, uh and i used to go to one in in singapore and mm. i i noticed that 
every time they're talking to you, as you said, they're mm-hmm. coming from a space of um, complete unbiasedness. Mm. It's and, a neutral space, uh, yes. A neutral space, yet they are encouraging you to, um, as you said, self-exploration. However, mm. my question is that when you are disturbed, and I, I've had, mm. I've, I've been through depression and I've been through anxiety, mm. when mm. you are depressed, you mm. really are, it's, it's un, you're unable to kind of, uh, to, 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 uh, to, to fathom or to connect dots around you, let alone within you. Yes. Right? And, and yes. so how, how and then again, as you're seeing in Pakistan, they are car- coming with a lot of baggage. External mm. baggage is too mm. much mm. because they, they feel that they are being somewhat unfaithful to their friends mm. or to, mm. to, to their spouse or yeah. whatever because they and they feel that they're coming forward that, and they're kind of in some cases. In yeah. some cases, so, I would I would say that here. Yeah. So what mm-hmm. I'm seeing is that for for a psychotherapist like you, um, mm-hmm. and again as you're saying, you you uh, uh, across all the entire age group, you're handling mm-hmm. issues, breaking into that mold where you convince uh, the client to look inwards. Mm-hmm. So right? the thing is that when my work starts, the client already is convinced to come. Okay. And and I tell my clients, because sometimes there is resistance and they want to skip a session or start coming late, I tell them that I cannot help you. I cannot make you work. And we work mm-hmm. with certain boundaries that the client has to come for the session. That's, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the beginning of it all. Mm-hmm. And we work with time boundaries. Um, so that is, I mean, there, there's a verbal contract. We, we, you know, we contract verbally before uh, getting into this relationship because it's all relationship work. So mm-hmm. I do contract with my clients verbally, and if they they consent, only then does therapy continue. Um, mm-hmm. But I know if somebody's forcing, if somebody's husband has forced somebody to come into therapy, she'll come for the first session, and until she wants to come herself, or she feels the need to come herself, um, it won't be fruitful. And I tell them, I tell them that right from the start, that it won't be fruitful unless you want to come yourself. Unless you come with your, it's your mm-hmm. need, not somebody else's need that you're fulfilling. And maybe, yes, you can try a couple of sessions for that to fulfill that need, but you will be the one to carry it forward. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it just, it won't land. It'll be flat. Mm-hmm. Will you be mm-hmm. able to share with us in terms of your top three uh, uh, categories which come forward for treatment in terms well, of... There's a lot of abuse. There's a lot of abuse that goes on at different levels. There's sexual sexual abuse. There's emotional abuse, which is which is you know, which tops the list. Um, there's physical abuse. Uh, there's trauma. Uh, there's anxiety. There's workplace anxiety. There's bullying. There is just you know, I mean, I work with things across the board, even addiction, um, anger. Um, just, you know, dealing with overwhelm. I mean, it can bring up so much, uh, you know. Overwhelm can bring up anger issues. It can bring up anxiety. It can trigger depression. It can, um, you know, sometimes you you take on a client and a few sessions down the road, you realize that there's a personality disorder to it and you deal with that. Um, 
so, so I mean, things come up. Yeah, yeah. So it, there's never really one thing that a client, I mean, they may say, oh, I've got depression, anxiety. But when you start unpacking, there's so much more. There's so much more, you know. Um, um, you know how often, at least that's what the therapist used to do with me, was that you, mm-hmm. they, after a few sessions, they take you back to your childhood. And mm-hmm. and I remember the, the lady telling me that, listen, you have to be very comfortable going back. And please do know that I'm not saying here that your parents have done something wrong and they have a bad upbringing mm-hmm. or something. But mm-hmm. you have to understand where it is coming from, because 90% of it is actually rooted um, uh, as in coming back from, from, from your childhood. Mm-hmm. Yes. What do you have to say to this? A lot, a lot. A lot has to do with your childhood. It does, you're right, it does get rooted there. The way you address a certain problem uh, may have to do with that. And it doesn't mean that your parents were bad people or they taught you the wrong things. It's also how you perceived uh, your, you know, your circumstances or your environment or how you received your environment when you were little, when you were a little person. Mm. And um, yeah, that, that can play a role. That can play a role. In your uh, profile, you'd written that you deal with um, people with anger issues. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what is your generally, I mean, you've been working uh, now, Marshall, I say for five years. Mm-hmm. So what in your experience has been the root cause of someone who has had anger issues or who, who, who comes forward okay. with? So anger is a secondary emotion. It's one of those emotions that manifest. But under it is usually something else. It could be, uh, you know, there's an hierarchy that could be, I mean, for example, just an example, could be anger underneath is frustration, underneath is helplessness, underneath might be disappointment, underneath might be hurt, underneath that might be pain. Mm. You know, it, um, so anger manifests as, as a mask, but there's always something else under it. Oh. Yeah, so anger it's really is, the tip is one of, of the those. Iceberg. Yes, it's the tip of the iceberg. It's what shows. Oh, but what's then, really happening then. needs to be explored. Mm-hmm. What's oh. causing it? Where it's coming from? You know, it could be anything. For ex- for instance, if you're angry because you know you it could it could sprout from the feeling of being you might find frustration under it or you might find helplessness under it and what might be under it is just that you're not feeling heard you're not feeling seen by someone who's important to you Hmm. or Hmm. you're not feeling received emotionally and that's uh, you know need fulfillment is not there Um, because we do need that as human beings we are not independent we are interdependent Hmm. and we do need Hmm. other human beings to fulfill our needs in mm. some way or the other. Mm. And, uh, so, so it could be that. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, you just said that you need to be heard, which which often is the case because you one often feels that we've been misunderstood or mm-hmm. we haven't been heard fully. And mm. which brings me to the next question or the next, the, the, the importance of listening. How, it is important. You, how, yeah, so how, what, what do you have to say to that? Well, it is important to uh, know when to listen, right? Um, it's important to listen beyond the words. If somebody is crying, 
and talking about, you know, whatever, the, the superficial issue, what's really happening? What you're really supposed to be looking at is the hurt and the pain, right? Mm. That's what you need to get to, for example, and I, and I give my, a lot of my clients this example is, if you look at the ocean, the top, you know, 20 feet of the water, um, if, if the wind is choppy, it'll be a storm, it'll be choppy waters if the wind is, you know, um, fast. If there's no wind, then it'll be, you know, a smooth um, um, ocean that you will see. But what's really happening in the main body of the ocean, like those hundreds of uh, feet down, it's another current altogether, no matter what's happening on the top mm-hmm. uh, surface, mm-hmm. on the top mm-hmm. level. Similarly, with communication, we could be talking and we could be having a basic conversation. But what's really being communicated is something else. There could be so much, um, you know, going on there that may or may not be received or maybe subliminally um, even received and understood. Like a lot of times you will see a person laughing and you'll be like, you know, it it looks like so-and-so is laughing, but she's kind of sad. Or somebody might be very seeming very calm to you, but you'll be under, you you'll get the sense that she's really not feeling calm, or or you'll pick up on something. That's mm. where the real communication is, and it's usually unconscious. It's usually mm. unconscious. Um, so we try to kind of drop into that level of communication. Just focus. That's all it needs. Uh, we're just not trained to look at look at that generally. We look at the words that somebody said or mm. maximum the tone that somebody said mm. but um it's a skill to kind of really delve deep and if we try and do that we can everybody can exactly that's what i was coming to that not everybody can because it's mm. a skill or it's it's something that comes from experience because not everybody has a patient ear mm. you know so you, you need you to develop have that, that yeah, you don't have the time. You don't have to have the time. Mm-hmm. And you sometimes I feel that people only listen to what they want to listen. Mm. So then you're not listening, right? Then that's not active listening. Mm. Then you should yeah, be so, aware that so you, you, you're you choosing. call that passive listening. Well, uh, that you're choosing. Then you're just choosing what to listen to. And you're rejecting mm. what you don't want to listen to, even if your ears are open. And your child or, you know, supposing your child comes up and says this whole thing and you're like, hmm, 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 yeah, okay, have you done your homework? Mm. So you're not really listening in that moment. And sometimes it's fine. It's okay. You don't have to be listening all the time. That would be a lot of fatigue. But mm. just just knowing that when you need to listen, that you should be able to. For example, if a child is bullied in school and he's laughing, we mm. all laugh, like saying, oh, he's laughing. He's not taking it seriously. But what's really happening with that child is and laughing about it himself might need you know it might need to be seen and heard a little bit mm-hmm. even by the child sometimes we don't hear ourselves sometimes mm-hmm. we don't see ourselves mm-hmm. that happens too mm-hmm. oh god um uh, i was just thinking that have you received cases because now with the with the rise of social media Mm. There is a, a rise of anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. And have you come across cases like that? I do think, yes. Um, not a case that's particularly, um, you know, as a result of social media pressure. But I do see it play up sometimes in mm. teenagers. Mm. Um, 
or young people. So yes, it it may contribute, but I haven't really seen one up close. Um, and then there may be you know cases that um, may arise due to bullying, you know, cyber bullying and all that. But may, mm. I haven't received one as yet. Mm. I have no experience with that as much. What kind of cases do you receive uh, from teenagers mostly? Um, I don't work so much with children. My work is mostly with adults, with teenagers. Um, but I do work with a few teenagers. Um, it's it's um, it's it's a different ball game. I would be revealing too much about my clients if I was to say uh, much mm -hmm. more. But it's. Um, so they have two lives. They have a school life and they have a home life, and mm -hmm. uh, their understanding is different. Um, teenagers are at that 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 stage where they are becoming independent and not so independent and dependent. So there's a struggle going on with them. Um, mm -hmm. So they're halfway there and halfway not. So that that it does cause conflicts in teenagers. It can cause mm -hmm. conflicts. Being mm -hmm. um, having to having an independent enough mind and yet being answerable. So it, it is a tough stage to be in um, and it I can understand. cause conflicts and yeah. problems. Yes. I understand. They're beginning to I find have... their identity and they're struggling and, but then they know what they are, but they're not quite sure as well. So there is that. Mm -hmm. um, my next question is that what, what do you have to say on the relationship between the mind and disease mm -hmm. well um, so I would focus less on the mind and more on the heart generally we focus um, in our culture at least on the mind we're very cognitive about things even emotions and that's just not possible because emotions come from the heart it's generally the trend is and I'm not speaking for everyone of course um, but generally the trend is to suppress the emotion and make rational decisions. Mm. Mm. So true. That does cause dis-ease and often disease. Neurosis um, that comes from this. Uh, you know, depression and anxiety. I mean, if, for example, if a person is unhappy in her marriage, but wants to stick around in it for the practical reasons, for example, just for the sake of example, because it's very popular in our culture to do this. Um, she might feel that, you know, I have everything in the world. I have nothing to leave my husband for, but she's not happy. Hmm. So she may suppress herself, her emotional self, for practical reasons. But somewhere it will pinch or it will show up. Hmm? It will be felt and because it's not tangible, we often tend to disregard it. Mm. I have done that. I mean, I have done, I disregarded my emotional, uh, you know, uh, my emotions because I was being cognitive and rational at that time, but it just wasn't feeling right in, in certain situations. Mm. Um, but I wasn't able to hear it like when I was in college. I opted for a degree in graphic design, but I wasn't really enjoying it. I knew that I was, um, I would have, in, in retrospect, that I would have enjoyed textile design much more, but 
I stayed with it because now my time had been invested in it and, you know, uh, for all the other fears that I may have had around uh, changing my major at that time. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, I never followed a career in graphic design. Uh, <laughs> so it's quite evident in my case that, you know, as a, what happened as a result. Um, in fact, for the longest time, I was into fashion and that is textile design related. I found a way to kind of, you know, uh, manage that later on, but I maybe I, I do feel that maybe I should have changed my major at the right time. Had I done that, maybe things would have been different. But yeah. then once we do kind of listen to our heart and we say we check in with the emotion, with the sentiment and we don't disregard it, isn't there a mm -hmm. risk that we kind of then get stuck in it? I don't think, I'm not sure I understand your question. No, I'm, I'm just saying that once we acknowledge that this is the emotion that I'm feeling and I, this is not something that I should be doing, we delve so deeply that we then get stuck in that emotion and we're then unable to move forward. Um, this would probably need more, uh, I would probably need more uh, an example with this if you can tell me that. But just knowing and feeling your emotion is different from acting on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is different from acting on it. Mm. Um, but at least knowing it, awareness is different. Okay, so uh, coming to my next question, um, you you'd mentioned that you primarily focus on uh, healing with self-exploration. Mm, yes. So what kind of modalities do you use um, to, to help the person take those steps? So my work is generally integrative. There's a lot of um, theories that go in. Um, there's psychodynamic work. There's humanistic work. We started with humanistic training, went on to psychodynamic training. And currently I'm training in uh, Michael Sott's Diamond Model, which is also an amalgamation of and based on Patricia Clarkson's um, work and um, Lavinia Gomez, her work, um, and many others. But the work we generally do is very integrative. What I really enjoy is um, gestalt work, which is a lot of body work, exploration mm -hmm. through body um, and, you know, sens sensory work. Um, in that, when a client is generally unable to kind of access their emotions, it, it helps to channelize through the body. You know, so everybody's not very emotionally, um, you know, uh, connected or doesn't always find it easy to kind of, work with emotions or to, um, you know, understand their emotions. Everybody's different. Mm. So then mm. we use a bit of gestalt. Then there's a lot of, then there's transactional analysis, which I use a lot. Um, that's about how, I mean, in transactional analysis, um, a child will have developed a life script by the age of seven, uh, which will have a middle and end and a beginning. And it can be a homotic one. It can be a, losing one it can be a winning one and and sometimes we need to work on undoing the script you know and mm -hmm. these are all unconscious processes that are going on mm. um and it could be based on simply how a child feels received you know and it, it's not even to do with parenting because there could be a set of twins and just the way a mother touches one and touches the same one i mean it could be the same but two different um perceptions of being received can mm. be made at that time mm. right mm. so um 
it is complicated it is complicated then i uh, even do meditation uh, body scans and then there's uh, trauma re- release exercises which help release um, trauma from the body in the form of adrenaline um, so there is physical work and then there is emotional work so yeah we do both oh sounds tough it's like rewriting mm-hmm. the dna right <laughs> yeah if you put it like that <laughs> surely of course i'll put it like that um just asking if you can reveal um uh, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, demographically gender wise mm-hmm. you feel you have more female clients who come forward as depressed and repressed or you feel that there are men and boys as well facing the same situation it's it's equal it's equal um really? it's equal but what i have noticed is that voices are taken away i mean when a boy is born he's not allowed to be emotional right from the start i mean the masculine code is just just kicks in or is made to kick in and uh, stoicism is encouraged um stoicism can be healthy sometimes but you know to another level it's encouraged to a great level um mm. emotional um in being emotional is repressed um it's looked down upon the masculine code you know what that means right so boys are not allowed to have an emotional voice right from the start girls on the other hand are allowed they're considered emotional creatures until they hit puberty and that's when their suppression starts right um so true so that's generally what you know that's something that all across i mean that stands out for me uh, with my work and um, that's something that i would really feel that it's necessary for to be addressed culturally maybe individually yeah. as well at a macro level at a micro level uh, and from an individual level i mean we uh, being moms mm. of teenage boys i think it's, mm. it's it's this very useful bit that you've brought up because again it's it's uh, rewriting the dna of 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 emotions whether it is individually or collectively mm, yeah it is such that a is good imagery where uh, where boys cannot come forward and say what they really want to say because oh, at the end uh, at the end of the day they're human beings as well and they have yes emotions and sensitivities mm. trivialities yes. the same way yes. as we do i agree but a lot of them who feel the need can can always come up and make that change when they when they're ready for it mm. a lot of women can do that too so as long as you're breathing you have the opportunity as long as you're alive you have there's always an it's always an option to kind of start accessing start feeling it make that change yeah yeah your um, life is not over yet no no your life no, is not over to, until it's over <laughs> only today i was listening to something that that the moment you kind of check in with your breathing mm. and know that you're breathing realize that you're in a good space Hmm. Well, it's important to be present. It's yeah, yeah. It's important to be present in the moment because often what happens is we're somewhere far off in the future or in the past and collecting anxiety for that. Now I do so not true. know what's going to happen to me ten years down the road. I I I may know what happened to me ten years ago, but so, I also know that right now. Sadia while you and I are talking I'm fine I'm breathing I have what I need I have the air in my lungs I have 
I'm comfortable. I have enough food in my body to sustain me. My body is working. My body functions are working fine. My heart is beating. My blood is circulating. My mind is functional, and uh, I'm in a good enough place. Yeah. Right. And also, as that. yes, and as we talk, we are interconnecting. Mm-hmm. And that is important. It's very important. Um, it's an important human need to be interconnected. Um, and to know mm-hmm. that we are at, you know, indirectly interconnected simply sometimes just by breathing in the same room, we are interconnecting. There is some, we are always webbed. This is important for human beings to know because we can feel very isolated sometimes that mm. at any given time we are webbed together by these invisible webs. Um, mm. At any given time, so we're never really alone. Mm. Um, just stepping away out of the mm. shoes of the psychotherapist Rabia Mumtaz mm. and being on your own, mm. and obviously mm. while you're facing clients day in day out, mm. um, from morning till 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 night, what what do you do for your self care, for your sanity, mm. for your breathing space what is your self care regime so i like to spend time by myself um i like to have a good structure of my work and weekend i do not like to work beyond friday i will make sure i mean i know i need a two day weekend i know i need so much sleep i know i need to meet my friends get my oxygen um and i know how much exercise i need i know what makes me happy and i'm going to go for it you know so I do mm. that. I do that. I give mm. myself what I need. I hear myself. Mm. And uh, generally that's good enough. Yeah, hearing yourself, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, hearing yourself and giving it to yourself. Yeah. Mm. So true. And having so good true. healthy boundaries with work and play. Um mm. Mm. beautiful. Just coming towards the the last bit of our section, just a few questions mm. that I'm going to ask you. Um which um, the first one being, what mm. would you tell your 20-year-old self? Mm. I would just tell myself there's so much more to you. You don't know it, but you should know it. Go for it, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the 16-year-old you, by the way, when we got our O-level results. <laughs> oh, my God. That day, I remember that day. I was, I was just high on air that day. I know, it's such a beautiful day. I know. <laughs> we were all so um, happy. <laughs> all so happy, yeah. And we still are. We've grown yeah. old, but we still are. Next question. Yeah. What's the wisest thing you've heard someone say? Stay in the moment. What's the best approach to resolve conflict? Stay with the discomfort. And respond, not react. Where do you feel most at home? Mm. When I'm working, when I'm seeing with my clients, uh, I feel very, I feel like it's, it's oxygen for me. But at home, I feel at home. That my home is my safe space. It's my safe haven. I just love coming home. Now, and then coming to the last bit where you finish sentences. Learn to live my personal prayer 
that's a tough one sadia <laughs> my personal <laughs> prayer is i leave it up to god i always leave it up to god i just say whatever i know whatever you Brilliant. think but but i love yeah. adventure by the way <laughs> life is it's beautiful whichever way this way or that way it is beautiful this way or that way it is beautiful it's it's yeah. worth living worth living and the last one my greatest teacher is was it has to be life i have learned so much your parents can't teach you everything you have to learn it on your own and that's a good lesson for us mummies as well because you know often we feel we need to really prepare our children for life but you know what it will happen on its own in its own time and it will happen for sure i totally agree with you because we do end up uh, micromanaging a lot of things for mm. them thinking that mm. we are preparing and at the same time insulating them from a mm. lot of things uh, mm. but that's not right right because they have they, they they've come um, they've come in with their own genetics mm. and they mm. will have their own learning experiences and yes. there's so much that we can do yes there's only so much we can do and as parents we have to know our limitations as human beings we have to know our limitations that even we can't get everything we so will true. make mistakes and we do make them all the time and it's all right so true so true it's called being human being human so true mm. rabia mm. thank you so much for reminding us that we are all humans and being human is a beautiful thing as you said um god bless you and thank uh, you god so bless much sadia efforts for all your um, clients and uh, thank you once again for being on dhani thank you so much thank you sadia thank you for this opportunity to be here Thank and you all the best. Thank Take you very care. much. Take care then. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening and we would be most humbled if you can leave us with a comment, a rating or a suggestion. Thank you.